So the enemy thinks today that he has accomplished some great feat when in reality he has just aroused a sleeping giant, which is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can somebody say, praise God. For Paul believed and declared that to be absent from this body is to clearly be present with the Lord. You say, Pastor, you mean your heart is not grieving over those lives that have departed life as we know it? If you want to know the truth, I'm a little bit envious. Because the moment that their eyes closed in death, they stepped into eternity. They met the God of earth and glory, the King. Amen of all the ages. Hallelujah. We are still here struggling in the aftermath. Brother Khan put it so eloquently this morning when he stated that death is just a portal from this life to life eternal. Isn't that right? Death is just a portal from this life unto life eternal. I couldn't help but focus in as he spoke of the numerous individuals who were raised from the dead prior to Jesus' resurrection. But the uniqueness, Mother, in regards to every one of those individuals' death is that although the scriptures doesn't record it, we know that in the process of time, they died. Praise God, they died. But Jesus said, I am he who liveth and was dead. But behold, I am alive forevermore. You missed a real good place to shout. They'll never crucify Jesus again. He'll never endure the gruel journey, the treacherous travel up the Vidella Rosa, the trail of sorrow. And Jesus will never have to die again. Thank you for being here. Without you, this wouldn't have been possible. Wow, I don't think we can celebrate our children enough. They did a dynamite job today. Come on, saints. They did one dynamite job today in God's presence. Amen. They need, they need our applause. They need our encouragement. They are not only the church of tomorrow. They are the existing church, the church of right now. I do want to just make a couple of, of short announcements in your presence because I think that we, some of us may be unaware but many of you are aware of Sister Charlene and Mary's father passing just days ago. Those arrangements have not yet been finalized. And as soon as they are, we'll make them available to our Harvest Church family. Mr. Samuel Oxendine departed this life to his eternal destiny. So please, um, let's remember that family as we pray. Sister Vicki Epps desperately needs our prayers right now. Brother Jimmy and Sister Rosa, they need our prayers. All the saints of God here at Harvest Church, Brother Wade and Sister Judy Cummins, amen, they, they need our prayers. Brother Larry needs our prayers. And if we feel that we are limited in what we can do, there is no limit to prayer. And I want to enlighten you to this reality. Prayer moves the heart of our Father. So would you help me pray for those individuals? I want to do something real unusual as you're standing in the Lord's presence. Would you do that? Let's stand in the Lord's presence. And we want to observe a moment of silence for those lives lost. Halfway around the world this morning then we're going to pray that God would bless this service. God, we thank you for this great day. One of the most celebrated days of the Christian faith, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Without whose death we would still be bound in sin. 
without whose death we would be lost forever. We thank you that he was obedient even to death, that death on a cross. We can only distantly connect with the excruciating pain that he bore for our freedom. Our human minds couldn't rightfully comprehend all that Jesus took upon himself to redeem us that we might be called the sons of God. Lord, there are many under my voice in this room who have yet to taste the goodness of our God. Many today who are lost without you. Our prayer is that your love would find them. Resurrect their consciences. Bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Whatever you do among us, we will glorify you. For it's in Jesus' name, the name above every name, that we pray. Amen. If you'll remain standing, I want to read one verse in your presence. One verse. The gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 27, verse 45. Matthew 27, 45. The word of God reads in our presence. Now from the sixth hour unto the ninth hour. There were darkness over all the land. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. You might be seated in the Lord's presence as we attempt to share a thought before you today, the day the earth turned dark. The day the earth turned dark. We find through our careful examination of the scriptures, last week began in Christian circles what we acknowledge as Passion Week. We've released scriptures through this week that would bring us up to par with where we are today the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ we understand that Christ's life was very active in his earthly ministry and active during his last seven days here upon the earth for in that time he fulfilled his mission and was sentenced to death by way of crucifixion. The synoptic gospels all record this event in striking similarity with the exception of the beloved apostle John. Darkness. In the Hebrew it's hasak. H-A-S-A-K. In the Greek it's skotos. S-K-O-T-O-S. Darkness. It suggests anything that is anti-God. It implies such things as wickedness and judgment and death. It would be safe to say, saints of God, then that darkness is mysterious to us as humankind. And the word of God declares in those synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Matthew says that darkness was over all the land. Mark 15, 33 says that darkness was over all the land. And then, amen, Luke picks it up in 23, 44 and says that darkness was over all the earth. For a span of about three hours, 
darkness covered the land. But I've got some good news for us today. Because as mysterious as darkness was to man, praise God, it's not mysterious to God. For God rules the darkness. Hallelujah. God created the darkness. And God uses the darkness for His own purposes. While accompanying the conception of death in this scripture, darkness also displays God's displeasure with humankind at the crucifixion of His own Son. Praise God. The word of the Lord tells us that in the city of Jerusalem that the veil was torn from top to bottom. This is an indicator that no man could have performed this feat. It could have only been God. You say, Pastor, why, why your emphasis? Why, why is it that you want to reveal to us these particular details? It's because, my friend, that darkness... Uh, glory to God, suggest anything that's anti-God, but God is Lord of the darkness. For the Lord is powerful over all things. I want to tell us that that veil exhibits or it manifests, it makes clear to us, it reveals in plain sight God's plan of salvation. We remember that prior to Jesus' death, if we were not part of the covenant promise of God, we were not Jews, praise the Lord. We were not considered children of God. But because that veil was torn, it was a symbolic representation that there was no more division. Hallelujah. And then it didn't make any difference what we were. How many glad that we were a whosoever? Praise God. And Jesus died for the whosoever's. How many are grateful today that because that veil was torn into, we now have rightful access to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was on an unstoppable mission. Can I minister this to you today? From about the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. It would be very difficult for you to see, but on the far right from where I'm standing, you're right from where you are seated, we would see a chronological listing of the events of Jesus' life. We would see how extremely engaged in the work of ministry that Jesus was. He was on an unstoppable mission. Somebody said, I, I, I don't understand. They crucified the Lord. He died. He was dead. They buried him and he arose the third day. You don't understand. That encompasses his mission. Because Jesus' mission was unstoppable. What did that mean? It meant it was impossible to prevent it or impossible to stop the mission of Jesus Christ. Jesus' earthly ministry, we understand, begins when he is baptized in Roman Judea in the Jordan River by John. You say, wait a minute, preacher, there were 30 years before that. Yes, but Jesus wasn't engaged in ministry. He took on uh, the vocation or the trade of Joseph, his earthly father. He was a carpenter. So it wasn't until about age 30 that Jesus is fully engaged in earthly ministry. And John, the disciple, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, was baptizing on the Jordan River. When we see Jesus walk over the banks and John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So scripture goes on to record after that uh, the acts of Jesus in his earthly ministry. And although the gospels provide multiple witnesses to the life of Christ, we have to have an understanding that they wrote to different audiences. They wrote from different perspectives. Everyone inspired by the Holy Ghost. Every one of them. So the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record this event in great detail with the exception of the disciple who Jesus loved, and that was John. Amen? Now most scholars 
told someone this yesterday. This really blessed me in research. It blessed me to know that during our research, most scholars agree that Christ was born in late summer or early fall. That would have been directly connected with the Jewish month of Tishri. The Jewish month of Tishri corresponds with the month of September. Most scholars and theologians alike believe that Jesus was born in September. Jesus was crucified three and a half years later in the Jewish month of Nisan, which corresponds with our month of April. So although you're not able to visibly see that chronological timeline of Jesus' ministry and the miracles and events that took place, let me tell you, Jesus was a busy man for three and a half years. There were numerous occasions where the disciples who were alongside of him, aiding and assisting him in ministry, they only thought about the physical man, Sister Dale. They only thought about how hungry they were. And on one occasion, they told Jesus, it's getting late. Praise the Lord. Look at this crowd of people. You need to send them away so they can find food for themselves. I believe one translation called it victuals. We'd have called it grocery. Lord, you need to send these folk away so they can find some food. When Jesus asked a question in that multitude, amen, what do you have? When a little boy said, I've only got five loaves and two fish, glory to God. And one of the miracles of Jesus was that he did what? He said, bring it hither to me. And when he brought it to him, the word of God said that he blessed it, praise the Lord. And then he called his disciples to himself and began to say to his disciples, praise God, distribute this to the multitude. And how many of you know that over 5,000 were fed that day besides the women and that Jesus was a busy man? Jesus was a busy man. How many times did Jesus heal lame legs and they received strength and walk? Blinded eyes received their sight and begin to see. How many times do we find uh, the miracles of Jesus recorded in just three and a half short years here on the earth? Well, let's look at John chapter 21 and verse 25. And he gives us an account of the things that Jesus did. John said, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Let me tell you who John was. John was the last living link to our Lord. And here's what I believe. Somebody say, Pastor, do you really believe that if all the miracles that Jesus had performed were written in a book that the world could not contain them, I believe John wrote what he saw and he saw what he wrote. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Pastor, what do you mean? I believe that the volume of the books would not contain what Jesus accomplished in three and a half short years of ministry or else John would have never penned of this writing. We can be confident then, my friend, that since John was the last living link to Christ, that John delivered an accurate account of real events as they took place. John wasn't writing some fairy tale. John wasn't writing about a superhero. John was writing about Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Matthew said, Brother Bill, that he is our Messiah, the Anointed One. Matthew said he's our eternal King. Look at Luke 19.10. We're talking about an impossible mission. Somebody said it would never happen, but how many of you know that Jesus was destined for success? He was destined for success. And Luke 19 and 10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. Somebody said, uh, Amen. Christ was his last name. No, Christ was Jesus' mission. Amen. Uh, uh, praise God, somebody. His mission, it was not to deliver Israel. His mission was not specifically for the Jews. Can somebody shout glory to God that Jesus' mission was not simply uh, to deliver uh, the Jews from Roman oppression, but Jesus Jesus' unstoppable mission was to do what? Offer salvation, offer eternal life to all who were lost. 
That's Jesus' impossible mission. Unstoppable mission. We would have classified it as impossible because we would have only thought about it from the human perspective. Some people say, well, I get it that Jesus was 50% God and 50% no. No, then you were not getting it. Because Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. Praise the Lord, saints. Don't struggle with Jesus' identity crisis. Even the authorities said that they say that you're the king of the Jews. Jesus said, you have well said. And so you say. But he did not come arrayed in the majestic splendor of heaven as the Jews were anticipating. And therefore, John said, he came unto his own and his own received him not. But how many of you are grateful today that Jesus didn't get discouraged? How many of you in this household of faith today are glad that Jesus didn't get brokenhearted? How many of you today would stand on your feet and say, Father, I want to thank you that Jesus, although he was man and he could have got disappointed and he could have got discouraged, Lord, he could have got heartbroken. I'm so glad that he kept on going and he didn't stop till he went all the way to Calvary, Lord. I'm so glad this morning that he kept going for me. I'm so glad that he never abandoned his mission. I'm so glad that Jesus never shirked his responsibility. But the Bible said he was obedient even to death and that death on a cross. How many are glad today that Jesus kept right on going? I can see us when things don't go our way. I can see us when the crowd won't join in. I can see us when we think we got to have an army to celebrate him. Nobody appears to get it. We feel like giving up. But I promise you, Jesus looked through the telescope of time and saw that if he had not been the sacrificial lamb of God, that all of humanity would forever be lost. Somebody said it was nails that kept him on a cross. I beg to differ. Brother Michael, it was love, glory to God, that kept Jesus anchored on the cross of Calvary. Amen. One writer said he could have called 10,000 angels and let himself go free. But Jesus, amen, bore the embarrassment, the humiliation of death by crucifixion so we could have eternal life. The unstoppable mission. I can almost through an eye of faith see him in Pilate's judgment hall. When Pilate says, uh, you don't know who I am. Oh glory. When Pilate said, evidently no one has informed you of my power. When Jesus raised his head and said, I've got some shocking news for you. Because the only power you have, my oh glory to God, my daddy gave it to you. But I want you to know you're going to kill uh, this earthly body. But I want you just to hang around. Because in three days, I'm going to raise it up. Just like I said. Oh, praise the Lamb of God. Amen. I believe, Sister Zena, the scripture doesn't record this, but I know how the enemy thinks. The Bible said we are not ignorant to Satan's schemes and devices. Are y'all with me? We've heard it portrayed through song, so I believe this to be true. I believe that Satan said to death, I'm going to kill him if you can keep him. And then death said to the grave, if y'all kill him, I can sure enough hold him. But I heard the word of God when it said early on the third day morning. 
Amen. Mary went to the tomb along with Martha to anoint him with spices as the custom of the day was. But the word of God said there met her two men in white apparel. And they said to them, dear precious hearts, I know who you came looking for. But can I enlighten you? Can I let you in on some good news? He's not here. He's already risen. Like he said. I can't get no help in here. Praise the Lord. There's an empty tomb in the garden there. And folks still won't grasp the reality. There was a shroud there that had the imprint of his physical body. And folks still won't grasp the reality of Christ's resurrection. I can assure you that if you go to the tomb of Muhammad, there'll be a fragment of him that remains. There are going to be bones, a skeletal existence of who he was. If you go to the tomb of Hare Krishna, you're going to find there's a remnant there. But they tell me, glory to God, when they ventured into the tomb of Jesus, all they found was a folding napkin. I don't know. Oh, glory to God. I don't know about you, but here's what that symbolizes to me. For in Jewish custom, a folded napkin meant I'm not finished. Uh-oh. Somebody hear me now. If you, went to the, if you went to the place and the napkin looked like this, help me, Spirit of God. If you went and the napkin looked like that, I'm done. But they tell me when they peeked into the tomb where they laid your Lord and they laid mine. The Bible said when they, when they took a gander in there, they saw the napkin was still folded. Somebody got that. Somebody said, no, 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 no. Jesus was on an unstoppable mission. Yeah, and death, hell, and the grave couldn't do one thing. Oh, praise the Lord. They couldn't do one thing about it. And I got news for you in this room here today. If you think, glory to God, with all your influence, if you think with all the circle of power that you exist in today, that you're going to stop what God has ordained, praise the Lord, you've got another thought coming. That's right. Jesus was on an unstoppable mission. I know what some of us say. If I'd have been there, I'd have never let it happen to Jesus. You couldn't have stopped it. I know what we say. Pastor, when I watch the Passion of the Christ, it tears my heart out. And if I was there, there's no way I would let that happen to Jesus. The truth of the matter is, you would have been just like the other disciples, watching from a distance, scared for your own life. Isn't that right? They were terrified that they might suffer the same fate. But Jesus, praise God, was on an unstoppable mission. Let me tell you something, folk. Two or three people talk about us and our nerves go to pieces down here. We just cannot deal with rejection. Two or three people tell a lie on us and we crumble. Two or three people start spreading a rumor about us. Brother Mike, we crumble. Help me, saints of God. It's the truth in me, you and God know it. So you might as well say amen. amen. I, people will say my nerves are pure shot. People talk about me, my nerves are pure shot. Hello? But let me tell you the fate of early Christians. The fate of early Christians that they were beaten. They were stoned. Some of them were buried alive. Some of them were fed to lions. Can I preach? Can I bless you and tell you some of the early saints of God were even crucified for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me tell you what they did. They chose rather to die than to deny his existence. I don't care who you are, that's a good place to shout. They loved Jesus so much that they were willing to die rather than deny his existence. You like preaching God been real to me, but he ain't been that real. I just don't know if I could take a bullet for Jesus. Let me tell you what Jesus said. He began to tell his disciples. I'm talking about the unstoppable mission. Jesus began to tell the, he began to tell the disciples. He said, let me make one thing clear to you. The world ain't going to like you. 
That's some of our problem today. We're worried about the world liking us. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, know this, they didn't like me. And they're not going to like you. Brother Steve, when he finished saying that, he said, but I want you to be of good cheer. Oh, glory. Y'all ain't going to help me. Can I help myself? Hallelujah. Jesus said, but be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. They're talking about me. I didn't sign up for this. If this is what it's all about, I'm going to just go ahead and quit. The early saints said, I'll die before I denounce Jesus Christ. You know what my faith leads me to believe? That if you don't make it in the rapture, you'll have to die for your faith in Jesus. Preacher, will people be saved after the rapture? Oh, yes. In the tribulation, will people be saved? Yes. The power of the Holy Spirit will still be here. And men and women will be drawn in the right relationship to God. They'll experience the gift of salvation. They'll have to die if they're caught practicing religion or their faith. They'll have to die. And then people tell me, I got, I got plenty of other things I got to do. I'm just going to wait till the tribulation to make things right. If you won't serve him now, I got news for you. You won't serve him then. But the early Christians... Although they were beaten and stoned and buried alive and fed the lions, crucified. They said, I'd rather die than denounce Jesus. Anybody remember Brother Peter? Jesus began to tell his disciples in the last days of his life. He said, I'm going to die at the hands of sinful men. Who was the first person to speak? Peter. What did Peter say? He said, I won't let this happen to you, Lord. Isn't that what Peter said? He said, I'm not going to let this happen. Jesus said, hush, Satan. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. The King James Version said, get thee behind me, Satan. I just said the Lumbee Version. Hush, Satan. Be quiet, devil. Jesus said, you don't even know what you're talking about. Peter said, I'm going all the way with you, Lord. Isn't that what Peter said? Peter said, I love you so much that I'm willing to go to prison and even to death. Jesus said, hush, devil. You're looking at me like, really? Jesus said that to the person he hand-selected? Yes, he did. He looked at Judas and said, what you got to do, hurry up and do it. Didn't he hand select Judas? Y'all looking at me like you you're, 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 you're really got this puzzling look on your face right now. You're like, I don't really know if I want to answer that or not. But the truth of the matter is, didn't Jesus love him anyway? Did Jesus love Peter? How you know Jesus loved Peter? After what Peter did, did Jesus love Peter? Yes, he did. Peter was a hothead. Sometime I want to think he was part of us. Yeah. They came to arrest him. What did Peter do? Cut the man's ear off. Jesus said, devil, put that sword up. And Jesus put the man's ear back on. But Peter was ready to go to prison. And even to die for Jesus. Jesus was on an impossible mission. John said, if there was a book written, the world couldn't contain all the things that Jesus did. But let me tell you one thing Jesus did. He expelled the darkness. Anybody hear me? Jesus expelled the darkness. What is darkness? It's the total absence of light. Can I ask you this question? Can darkness overpower light? You sure? Are you 100% sure? Anybody ever been in a subterranean hole in the ground? Anybody ever been in a cave? How about those taverns in the mountains? Does it get dark in there? You want to be really close to the person that flips the switch, don't you? 
Sister Oxendine and I were, 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 were tricked into spending a night with my parents after we got married. We weren't really tricked. But Mama kept asking, and I told Linda to say no. I want y'all come spend a night with us. But we did. And every sound, Linda said, what's that? What's that? You know, you don't hear that stuff in the city, just sirens. Bird would make a sound. She'd say, what's that? I'd say, he's saying his name. It's a whippoorwill. It's a bird. Then she'd hear the owl. What's that? I'd say, it's an owl. That's an owl, okay? I'm trying to sleep, and she hunches me, and she says, Terry. I said, what is it now? She said, it's so dark in here that I can't see my hand in front of my face. And I said, I told you to say no. Darkness is the total absence of light. There is no measure of darkness that can expel light. Doesn't the book of Genesis tell us that in the beginning, darkness was over the face of the earth? And God said what? Did God say let there be light? What happened? There was light. And when God spoke light into a darkened world, what happened to the darkness? It was expelled. The darkness was expelled. Somebody say, I, I don't understand what expelled. You went to school. Sure as you were born, some of you in this room got expelled. Brother Gerald raised his hand. You might as well raise both of them. I know. He trouble. What does expel mean? It means to force out. It means to eject. We could use words like dismiss, evict, or drive out. What am I saying to the body of believers here at Harvest Church today? Jesus told the darkness to get out. He expelled the darkness. He was on the cross for a span of about six hours. Do we understand that crucifixion was reserved for slaves, for foreigners, and those people who, who had committed uh, the most vilest, the most extreme crimes? That was the Roman mode of punishment, was crucifixion. How many know that everything went wrong in the trial of Jesus? And they still crucified him. Why? Because he was on an unstoppable mission. The day the earth turned dark, Jesus was on an unstoppable mission. How did this happen? How many know there have been politics since the foundation of the world? Politics. Are you kidding me? Politics. Jewish theocrats, in other words, the ruling high priest... The ruling priest. They devised a plan to convince Roman authorities that Jesus must be killed. Why? Because Jesus is encouraging rebellion. Oh, and don't let me forget to leave this out. Brother Ernie, Jesus is proclaiming himself as king. Can you imagine this infuriated the Roman authorities? Can you imagine how it made them feel? So did Jesus... Get the trial he deserved? No. No. They were so moved by this conspiracy from the church folks. I didn't say Christians. I said church folk. The Jewish priest. They devised this plan. And the Bible states in our text today, from the sixth hour unto the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. Now the Jews didn't classify time the way we do. You know how the Jews kept time? From sundown to sundown. So in other words, from six o'clock in the afternoon... Until 6 o'clock the next afternoon, that was a day. Okay? Are you getting this, saints? So from around the hour of 12 noon until 3 o'clock, Jesus, hanging on the cross, 
as the earth turned dark. You say, preacher, there were other times that the sun stood still. Yeah, but we're, we're talking about a day when for a span of three hours, the whole earth got dark. You know what some scientists say? Eclipse. Is there any truth to that? How do I know it couldn't be an eclipse? Eclipses don't last that long. It was some supernatural phenomena. This is what I believe. I believe the whole earth was in sympathy with the death of God's Son. I believe because of the anguish of Christ dying on a cross that the sun refused to shine. Are you listening, saints? You say, well then, Pastor, what's so significant about that number three? The Jews had four watches in the night. Six to nine, nine to twelve, twelve to three, and three to six. They had four watches. So what's the significance of the number three? Well, you do a little research and you discover that the number three represents completeness. Although to a lesser degree than seven, the number three is still connected to completeness. I begin to think of it like this. Why, why was the number three so significant? It was significant because before the flood, we had three patriarch saints. Who were they? Abel, Enoch, and Noah. They were three patriarch saints before the flood. We had three after the flood. They were righteous fathers. Who were they? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You multiply three times three times three and you get the number of books in the Old Testament, 27. So how many times is the number three mentioned in the Bible? 467 times. 467 times the number three is mentioned in the Bible. Well, there was a series of miracles that took place while Christ was on the cross. And each one of them connected with his death. It is again my heartfelt conviction that nature itself was in sympathy with the crucifixion of God's only begotten Son. And then in the temple, the veil was rent in two from top to bottom. Was that a miracle? We've been in extensive research and study on the tabernacle. That veil would have been as much as about four to six inches thick. Could any man have torn it? Not without some help. But the Bible said it was rent in twain from what? The top to the bottom. Was that a miracle? Is the fact that we now have access to God through our Lord Jesus Christ, is that a miracle? That is indeed a miracle. Did Jesus expel the darkness? Hallelujah. Jesus expelled the darkness. And what happened in the temple on the mercy seat is that sin met God's mercy. And on the mercy seat, it was judged there. And because of it, we no longer need an earthly high priest that's our representative before God. And Paul said in the New Testament Scripture, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Hallelujah, that we might find help and mercy in the time of need. Is anybody glad in the midnight hour that you don't have to call the pastor? Is anybody glad in the midnight hour you don't have to call the bishop? Is anybody glad that in the midnight hour when the baby's fever has exceeded 100 degrees that you don't have to call the doctor just King Jesus? Can I get one witness in this house? Is anybody glad now that we, praise God, can go before God's throne ourselves and we don't have to do it in fear? We don't have to do it in embarrassment. We don't have to do it, praise God, based on our pedigree. We can do it because the blood of Jesus washed away all our sins and justified us. In other words, pronounced us not guilty in the sight of Almighty God. And we just like the high priest, the patriarch saints, we have direct connection with God. Isn't that a blessing? Why? Because the darkness 
was expelled. Heaven's high priest's own blood was shed for the atonement of man's sins. And not just one man, for the sins of the entire world. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. This is the greatest transaction in the history of the world. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says this. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. How many believers have I in this place today? How many saved and know you are? How many, of a, how many know you're a child of God? You know how you know that? Because Jesus became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. In him. I said, some of y'all got expelled, Brother Joseph. Then he said, come on, if we could all be honest in this room right now. Has God been good to anybody? Hands ought to fly up all over the building. Come on, how many ought to have been dead in a grave somewhere? How many ought to have been written off and cast aside and offered no hope? All of us. But God made him who knew no sin. Y'all ain't going to help me. Praise the Lord. How many ought to have been sleeping in the grave somewhere? How many ought to have been pushing up daisies? How many of you should Brother Ted and Sister Betty be cutting grass over in the cemetery just down the road? There's one right there said he ain't shame. Amen. To stand up and say I should have been gone. But by the grace and the mercy of God. Amen. He put the sins of the entire world on Jesus' shoulders. And he died a cruel death. He expelled the darkness so that light could shine in our lives. Amen. Amen. Once in a while the devil want to tell you you're nobody. Once in a while, the devil said you felt some goosebumps and you shook the preacher's hand and, and nothing happened. And that's when I have to put on the emergency brake, brother. Just say, hold on just a minute. Not only can I tell you the time, I can take, take you to the place. Oh, praise God. Amen. And once in a while, brother Ernie, when the enemy tries to say, I ain't got nothing and won't never be nothing. It's then that I have to stand on these own feet of mine. Amen. And get a rigid backbone and say, you a lie. I am what I am. Only by the grace of God. Jesus expelled the darkness. And the light shone in our lives. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. We might become the righteousness of God in him. I love what Jesus said in the Gospels. Jesus said, no man comes to my Father except by me. Now, some of y'all know some powerful people. Some of y'all get in trouble. You know just what buttons to push. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, preacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to know important people. Yeah, yeah. It's good. But it's good to know the one that'll go before you. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. I got to quit. Hallelujah. It's good to know the one that will go before you. Praise God. It's wonderful to know influential people. But because of the resurrection, we now understand our purpose in life. Don't we, friend? Don't we understand our purpose in life because of the resurrection? Brother Stephen said this morning the word resurrection means the raising from the dead, rising from the dead. Praise God. That's what it means. Purpose is my reason that anything is done. Anything is created or anything exists. That's, that's purpose. I want to assure you of one thing. There was a whole lot going on in them three hours Jesus was on that cross. And there was darkness all over the land. There was a whole lot going on. We might not think so. 
There was a whole lot going on. And I want to inform you that after Jesus was raised from the dead and he was seen bodily of men and women, of people. Is that, is, is that an accurate account in the scripture? Was Jesus seen after he was resurrected? How many days? Forty days. Forty days after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he was still visible here on the earth. I got something for you because some of y'all are like, Pastor, I really don't understand this. How can a glorified body go through a wall? You know what the word glorified means? It means immortal. You know what the word glorified in the context means? God-like. So can God walk through that wall? Then so can Jesus. And he was seen 40 days after he was resurrected from the grave. And he spent time on earth in his glorified body doing what? Encouraging his disciples. You believe that? Didn't they portray it right in front of us this morning? Where's Brother Avery? A little doubt in Thomas. Brother Avery said, he wouldn't believe unless he saw and touch his hand and his side. The other disciples said, we've seen the Lord. Avery said, I ain't buying it. Thomas said, nope, not me. I'm not going to believe unless I see. But did Jesus appear to Thomas? And when he did, what did Jesus say? He said, touch me. So that it became a reality. Not only did Jesus complete the unstoppable mission and expel the darkness, he was resurrected to reveal our purpose in this life. Praise God, saints. What is our purpose in this life? Anybody remember the last words Jesus said on earth? Nope. After he's resurrected. I can't believe y'all Pentecostals don't know. I I, I don't know you. Listen, I'm stunned that you Pentecostal believers filled with the Holy Ghost don't know what Jesus' last words were before he ascended back to his Father. It is found in the recorded scripture of Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. Read it. This is what Jesus said. Read it, honey. If you've got a red letter edition of the word of God, you're going to find that Jesus, this is Jesus' last words before he ascended into heaven. So was Jesus encouraging the disciples? The musicians are coming. Was Jesus encouraging the disciples? You better believe he was. But who else was Jesus encouraging? He was encouraging the future of believers that would come behind that generation and generations to come. And Jesus said, you shall receive power. When? He said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus would have said to us in the 21st century, you will be witnesses to me in Roland, in Robeson County, in North Carolina, in the United States. And to the entire world. But how can I be a witness. If I've not received the endowment of power. Through the Holy Ghost. It's impossible. You want to say pastor I got the gift of gab. I can talk about Jesus. To anybody anytime. Jesus said you're not going to be effective. Until you're endued with power. That's why that he had given instruction to go to Jerusalem. There's a room prepared for you. And I need you to tarry there. 
until the promise of the Spirit comes. Let me say something. Do you, do you believe in all your heart that after Jesus was raised from the dead and he enjoyed 40 days of fellowship with those disciples? Do you believe they were hoping he had other plans? How about you? If somebody you love died and rose again, wouldn't you hope that they had plans to stay? Why didn't Jesus stay? <laughs> Somebody said because he accomplished his mission. And he had to send the Holy Ghost. Jesus told him in the book of John, he said, it's expedient that I go away. It meaning necessary. It's of the utmost importance that I go away. For if I don't leave, he won't come. Uh-oh, some of y'all Bible scholars, you say, Preacher, you're trying to stump me here. Was Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, was that the first time the Holy Ghost was involved in the lives of men? No. You want to know how I know? The Bible said, the Bible said in the book of Genesis, God said, let us make man in our own image and likeness. The Bible said Samson, who had taken the Nazarite vow, did mighty things when the Spirit of God. You know who the Holy Ghost was in the Old Testament? The Spirit of God. I remember Jesus speaking specifically to his disciples and he said this, he's no stranger to you. You already know him. Jesus said because he's been with you. Isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus said he's been with you. But Jesus said not many days from now. He's going to be in you. Stand with me all over this building. Hallelujah. Because of the resurrection of Christ, I now understand my purpose in life. What is my purpose in life? Amen. Listen, if Christ was only concerned that we would develop an intimate relationship with Him and nothing else, then why would He leave us here? Why would Jesus leave us here? To be His witnesses. Can you tell me, anybody tell me what witnesses do? I, I said, can anybody tell me what witnesses do? Witnesses do witnessing. Come on, somebody. Witnesses testify the things they've seen and that they have witnessed. Am I right? So what did Jesus leave us here to do? He left us here because we are His witnesses. Praise God. And listen, He left us here because there is still a gospel to preach. There is still a Jesus to proclaim. And there is still good news to tell this world. That's why Jesus left us here. Let me assure you of this. That everyone who experiences the gift of salvation must come to Jesus in repentance. I want to tell you, saints of God, you're not saved automatically. That just because Jesus died doesn't mean you're automatically saved. Because we have to come in repentance, broken in the very presence of God. When we are and we cry out, we're going to be saved. It's only then that the power of God can enable us to effectively engage in the ministry of witnessing. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed in this auditorium right now. Listen. 
This is the most important part of this service. I need to know right now. I need to know. How many under my voice have not yet to accept Jesus Christ as Lord of your life? I'm not saying this to embarrass you. I say this because there's something you need to know. He died to save you, to offer, extend to you the gift of eternal life. If you would do me the honor of just raising your hand, I'm not going to call you out. I would never embarrass you. But if you're lost in this place today, no one's looking around. Would you do me the honor of just slipping your hand up? Say, Pastor, remember me. God bless this hand. Would there be someone else in this room today lost without Jesus Christ? Would just extend your hand to the heavens and say, remember me. God bless you, young man. God bless you. Someone else, God bless you, son. God bless you. You need to know you could never process the love of Jesus. It's immeasurable. We can't contain the love of Jesus. No scroll could hold the volume of the love of Jesus Christ. But here's what Paul says to the Romans in Romans chapter number 10 and verses 9 and 10. Are you listening? Paul says to the Romans in Romans chapter number 10 verses 9 and 10. He says this. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Pastor, what does that mean? It means that as we believe in our heart, the end result produces righteousness. And as we confess with our mouth, the end result produces salvation. A lot of folks want you to believe that the heart's only a muscle that pumps blood. But the Bible says it's the core of our existence, the center of our being. And I heard him when he told the prophet Jeremiah that no man knows his own heart, but I the Lord, I search the heart and I try the innermost parts. So those of you that extended your hands to the heavens today, it will be the greatest exchange, the greatest transaction in the history of your existing life. If you would step out of that aisle where you are right now, come to the altar and accept Jesus as the Lord of your life I will not frustrate you or worry your patience but I need you to know how much Jesus loves you you need to know how much he loves you who would come is forever he is lifted high thank you Jesus. 